KINY, where you don't miss a thing. Time once again for Capital Chat, and we are talking to a representative from UAS today. His name is Logan Burner. He is, well, I should say Dr. Logan Burner. He's a PhD. He is an assistant research professor at NAU, but he is from Juneau, and he's back here to talk at Evening at Egan coming up on Friday. Welcome to the show, Dr. Burner. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. I'm really glad we can have you on here. You study some really interesting stuff, and you do it in a part that I love, Northern Arizona University. I love the campus. I love Flagstaff, but we're glad to have you back in Juneau. It's great to be home. (laughs) So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself before we dive into this? Yeah, so I was, you know, born and raised in Juneau, grew up in Gustavus, but went to GDHS, got my undergrad degree at UAS, uh, and then took off into the broader world. To, to go to grad school. And after having been gone for 15 years, I just got back to town uh, a couple months ago. All right, now you're back at town, so you're bringing your degree and your knowledge with you. So I guess, what do you plan on doing here in Alaska with that? Yeah, so I, I am a research ecologist, and I focus primarily on the impacts of climate change on northern forests and tundra ecosystems, especially as observed from Earth-observing satellites. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be back, you know, in the north where I feel like the research skills that I've developed over the last 15 years are, are really applicable. You know, it's, it's one thing to study the Arctic from Arizona, but it's a whole other thing to be back living on the fringes of the Arctic and, and able to go out your back door up into the mountains and, and look at these ecosystems, try to understand how it is that they're changing over time as the climate continues to warm and will this be something you're actually talking about with uh, what is going on at Evening at Evening? I guess what is going to be the subject matter? Yeah, so on Friday, I'm going to focus on observations of Arctic environmental change, especially the, the response of tundra ecosystems to long-term warming as viewed from Earth-observing satellites will be the focus. All right, so I have to ask, because you do have a big bio here, considering the fact that you have helped put out the Arctic report card released each year by NOAA, I guess, what does that report card look like? What is the Arctic looking like right now? Yeah, so the, the Arctic is really undergoing transformational change at this point in time. The Arctic report card is an annual status report, in essence, that documents the current conditions in the Arctic from many different viewpoints. We, you know, we know that as the Arctic has gotten warmer, you know, it's gotten warmer at a rate that's three to four times faster than the rest of the planet. And as this warming has unfolded, we've seen a massive decline in the Arctic sea ice, thawing permafrost, melting glaciers. But we've also seen other changes in land ecosystems, for example. We've seen an encroachment of trees out of the boreal forest up into the Arctic. We've seen shrubs expanding their footprints. Sorry, plane flying overhead. <laughs> We've seen you know shrubs expanding their footprints across these northern landscapes, and we have long-term satellite observations that show that much of the Arctic has become progressively greener in the last four decades as a result of these changes in Arctic vegetation. So I guess with that being said, how does Arctic warming actually affect other oceans and land ecosystems around it? Because I don't think a lot of people realize what the Arctic Ocean is actually doing for the world. Yeah, so the, the Arctic Ocean has, you know, ha- has extensive sea ice that is very, very reflective. So when in light hits the sea ice, 
it reflects most of that light, most of that energy and the heat back into space. But as the Arctic has warmed, we've seen this long-term reduction in sea, in sea ice, and that has led to more and more solar energy being absorbed by the ocean. And as the oceans have absorbed that energy, they've heated up quite a bit. And that, that increased heat load doesn't just stay in the ocean, but it kind of permeates out into the broader Arctic, contributing to the Arctic regions warming so much faster than the rest of the planet. So the sea ice really plays an important role in keeping our climate cool. But we're losing sea ice at a rate of something like 13% per decade over the last couple of decades. Wow, that is crazy to think about. Now, this is stuff you can actually look at from satellite imaging, right? Because of satellite technology and how advanced it has gotten? Indeed, yeah. There's We, we live in kind of this golden era of satellite remote sensing now, where, where we have satellites operated by groups like NASA or NOAA or international partners that look at all these different facets of the Earth. You know, we're, we're able to look at kind of the surface temperature, for example, of our plants to understand the extent and impacts of heat waves and, and long-term warming. You know, similar to how you'd use like a thermal, uh, like an infrared thermometer to measure someone's forehead temperature. We have satellites now that can measure the skin temperature of our planet. You know, we have other satellites that allow us to understand the three-dimensional structure and the rates of photosynthesis of plants. We have other ones that let us look at long-term sea ice or to understand the soil moisture and how it's changing over time. So these satellites altogether prevent, present a very rich set of data to understand the, the extent and magnitude and the nature of changes that are occurring within not only the Arctic, but really more broadly across our planet. So I guess let's look at worst case scenario here. As you say, we're getting a greener Arctic. I guess what does that mean as these plant species start to expand in the Arctic region? So over the last 40 years or so, we, we've seen from long-term satellites this widespread greening of the Arctic. Maybe maybe 40% of the Arctic shows evidence of this long-term greening trend. And we know that that's related to an expansion of trees and shrubs, it's related to increasing growth of other plants, like grasses. <clears throat> and as these changes in vegetation occur, they have a suite of implications. So for one, you know, as the plants grow larger, leafier, taller, they're pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, and they're locking that carbon dioxide away in plant tissue. And so that reduces the amount of CO2 that's in the atmosphere, which serves to cool down the climate a little bit. But at the same time, as the Arctic has gotten a lot warmer, we're seeing these very carbon-rich permafrost soils, these frozen soils, start to thaw. And that thawing process and the awakening of microbes that live in the permafrost is leading to large increases in the emission of carbon back out of the soils, up into the atmosphere, where it serves to further accelerate the rates of warming that we're seeing. <clears throat> and so whether or not the... the Carbon emissions from permafrost thaw ultimately outweigh the increased carbon uptake by these plants. You know, remains a pretty open question, but we think that, by and large, the greening of the Arctic will serve to further accelerate the rates of warming that we're observing. 
these changes in Arctic vegetation also have impacts on, on wildlife that people depend on. So as the Arctic has gotten greener and shrubs have moved across the landscape, we've seen moose, for example, begin to migrate out of the northern edge of the boreal forest in Alaska up progressively farther north into the Arctic tundra. In essence, as these riparian areas, these areas along streams and rivers have gotten more and more shrubby, it's allowed moose to follow those more shrubby areas uh, and feed upon the, the leaves of the alder, or willow especially. Um, and there's the shrubs also give those moose protection from predators. You know, but at the same time, we have a progressively shrubby landscape in the Arctic that is leading to a long-term decline in lichens. And lichens are a super important source of food for caribou. You know, caribou are arguably the most important land animal in the Arctic. With populations historically, for individual herds, that could exceed a million individuals. But we know that populations of caribou have declined about 50% in the last two decades across the Arctic, with some individual herds declining by over 90%. And there are a lot of reasons why caribou herds are declining. But we think that one of them could be related to the expansion of less palatable shrubs and the replacement of lichen that are a crucial source of wintertime food for caribou. And so all of these, these sorts of changes in wildlife, changes in, in berry availability, affects subsistence resources that are so important for people who live in the north. You know, there's about 4 million people in the Arctic coming from over 40 unique cultural groups. And these tundra ecosystems provide invaluable sustenance resources as well as cultural and spiritual value. Absolutely fascinating. If you want to learn more about this and so much more, check out Dr. Logan Berners' uh, Watching a Warming Arctic from Space. It is going to be this Friday, October 7th at 7 o'clock. The event will be live at the UAS Egan Library on the Juno Lake campus, and it will be live streamed on YouTube as well. Thank you so much for calling in today, Dr. Logan Berner, and of course sharing all of this very important information. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right, and good luck with your lecture on Friday. All right, have a good day. You as well. More Capital Chat coming up as well. You can download past episodes of Capital Chat over at KINYradio.com.